Many are tasting the riches of the law gospel distinction and abandoning the prosperity gospel and focusing on feeding God's flock. Welcome to the Pactum. I'm Mike Grimes here with Pat Abendroth, and today we are talking about discipleship and the law gospel distinction. And the opening of the show was a quotation from our good friend, member of the Pactum Verse, who's pastoring in India. Yep. And we praise God for good things that are happening, not only in India, but around the world, as it would relate to the law gospel distinction yes, yes. and paradigm. And uh, if you're just tuning in today for the first time, we talk about law gospel a lot. Yes, we If do. you are a longtime <laughs> listener, you're like, yeah, duh. This is what you guys talk about all the Here time. Here we go again. Here we go again, absolutely. But it's important. Even if we were talking today about parenting tips, we would be talking about law law gospel. gospel. But today what we want to do is we want to talk about what it means to disciple others. So here we're all learning about this. It's refreshing. It's eye-opening. But we want to share good things with other people. We want to disciple other people, train other people. So it's an episode on discipling others in the law gospel distinction. Yes, right. Full disclosure, uh, I gave a lecture not too long ago in Kansas when I was with member of the Pactum Verse and good friend Greg Kite, who pastors in Kansas, yep. and it was a law gospel conference. So we're going to use those notes from that lecture, and uh, it'll sound a bit different. So if you're at the conference, you'll say, I've heard this before. <laughs> well, in essence, you've heard it before, but we're just going to, we're going to riff off of that yeah, a little well, yeah. bit, follow the format, but riff. it's different because it's an episode of the Pactum. It's not a lecture. That's right. right yeah, riff, that's a good musical term, Ooh, riff. I've been hanging out with you way too long. <laughs> I don't know that Way I, I don't riff very long. much. <laughs> I don't even know the definition of riff. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, you just talk about a musical riff. It's going to be, you know, a series of notes or a musical figure or phrase. It's going to, you're going to riff on that. Or maybe it's a set of chord changes that you're going to riff on. You're going to play those okay. over and over and kind of, anyway, you know. Maybe get creative. Get maybe creative color over outside top. of the lines yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That you makes know, sense. jamming, playing together. Oh, okay. I can relate to that. <laughs> so. The, the format's going to be, we're going to talk about the why, and then we're going to talk about the how. So why would we want to disciple people in law and gospel? And then right. we're going to dive in and talk about how. Specific strategies, guidelines, so that you can help other people, because that's really what we're trying to do here. Yeah. So why would it be important that we would disciple people in law and gospel? Yeah. Uh, and we'll define law and gospel, I suppose we should write up front. Yeah, we should. What we mean is law is what God requires. We could say commandment, but that doesn't fit really the label. But it's what God requires. Yeah. So we call that law for shorthand, and gospel is what God graciously provides through his son, the Lord Jesus. So law and gospel, both are important, both are in the Bible, both need to be proclaimed. Uh, but why would we want to disciple in this? I think the answer to that, for starters, is it's, it's implied in the Great Commission. Sure, yeah. So in Matthew 28, 19, 20, 18, 19, and 20, we're to teach them to observe all that he has commanded. Well, Jesus, the followers of Jesus saw this happen. Uh, everything that he taught, he didn't sit down and say, I'm going to give you a master class in law gospel. Right, yeah. But clearly he makes a distinction and his disciples, the apostles make a distinction. And so I think it's at least implied, it's built in, it's baked in the cake to the Great Commission. Yeah, sure. If we want other people to know everything Jesus taught and intended to teach, which is what that's all about, 
certainly law gospel fits there. So yeah, for that's sure. Yeah. Why we want to disciple yeah. in law and gospel. And Jesus himself, he models law and gospel, right? Teaching and using the law and the gospel. You think Absolutely. of Jesus saying, uh, we've talked about before, Luke 10, right? Do this and live, Jesus says. Yep. Uh, just before the Good Samaritan passage, right? Which would be law. Yep, law. Do these things and you will have eternal life. Obey perfectly, personally, per- perpetually yep. Yep. these things. That's law. Jesus uses that, but also he preaches gospel. Think of where Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Definitely gospel. Right? Good gospel. news Good of what news. God graciously provides. So built in the Great Commission, it's assumed there, but not only is it assumed, it is modeled by Jesus. Right. Yeah. Uh, and not only that, it's also historic. So sure. when you read yeah. the confessions, Protestant confessions, so uh, Lutherans affirm a law gospel distinction. Uh, the Reformed affirm a law gospel distinction. Uh, even Baptists. Even Baptists, right? <laughs> even Charles Spurgeon would affirm a law gospel distinction. So pretty much if you're a Protestant, uh, this is your history. This is your background. Uh, it's built into the confessions, as I said just a moment ago. So, okay, Great Commission, uh, modeled by Jesus. It's historic if you're uh, Protestant and not Roman Catholic. Right. Yep. Uh, and if you're Roman Catholic, welcome to the show. Glad you're listening. Um, but what we want to show you is it's biblical to be distinguishing between law and gospel, not blurring the two of them. So that's by way of introduction. Now we should start talking about how. How, Yeah, how how is it that we do... in the world are we going to do this? Yeah, how are we going to disciple people in law and gospel distinction? So I think we're going to use seven kind of guidelines in how you can maybe build a strategy or seven guidelines for discipling people uh, in law and gospel distinctions. And maybe this is just a starter list. So maybe you sure. can improve upon our seven, but seven, seven is, is the perfect number, right? <laughs> Surely it is. So, and so if along the way we come up with another guideline, another idea, um, we probably shouldn't add it because we don't want it to be eight. No, or yeah, or um, we're going to have to do a bunch of A's or subset one, you know. True. We want to have seven. True. Okay. <laughs> uh, so what about the first one? The first one is going to be here's the first guideline, and that would be to own it yourself. It would be to have personal conviction about law and gospel. I think right now, Mike, law gospel is is trending. Uh, yeah, yeah. As we, I was thinking about that just this morning. Yep. It, it's almost yeah. It's trending to the point where you'd think some are going to jump on the bandwagon. It's almost a fad or we, something. Yes, right? we, we want it to be trending. We're happy that it's, it's trending, but we don't want it to be a trend. Yes, right. As in trendy, as in fad. Yes, did we, we don't do want that. Did we do an episode that. called Fattyanity? We did, uh, yeah, Fattyanity. Uh, yeah. That was a fun one, yeah. <laughs> we need that on a shirt, <laughs> for sure. Fattyanity. <laughs> so you, you've got to own it. And this means, you know, investing time, energy. This means right. uh, studying text yourself. And a good place to start would be Luke chapter 10. Uh, and seeing that Jesus clearly makes a distinction between, well, he, he preaches law. Yeah, right. It's straight up law, and you have to obey to gain eternal life. That's not good news for anyone who's no, a yeah. son or daughter of Adam. And so you could, that would be a great place to start. Uh, I was talking to a friend not long ago, and he had to prepare a sermon on Luke chapter 10. And uh, basically said, you know, it just was so exciting and so eye-opening uh, because you can clearly see hmm. law. It's in the gospel according to Luke, right? Yeah. but in the gospel according to Luke, it's not all gospel. There's definitely law, yeah. law in there. So we want to motivate you to say, all right, you need to own this. You need to have convictions about this. You need to study some biblical text for yourself, roll your sleeves up, right. allow it to grip you. Um, 
another good thing would be to engage other people who maybe don't buy in. Hmm. Yeah, sure. And so uh, in, engage with them. What are their good arguments against it? Because there are none. <laughs> <laughs> but to hear it, right? Hear what they have to say and be yeah. able to engage, be able to spar a little bit, if you will. That's right. Do you own it to the degree where you can give a good answer, sure. a good yeah. response? And if you can't, sometimes those are the best motivators. Right. You can't own, you don't own it well enough to, to give good answers. Right. So then you go back to your basement. Yep. Learn more, uh -huh. read, study. Dig in. Be convicted of yep. it. Do you, do you know, we're still talking about this this first guideline, owning it yourself, um, having convictions about it yourself. Do, do you own it to the degree where when you hear someone blurring law and gospel, uh, that it upsets you? Mm, that yeah. You, that you recognize it. Sure, that yeah. You, you, your spiritual spidey senses go off. Right. Uh, mental alarms go off. That's important, for w sure. What do you do when someone says, oh, law gospel, that's Lutheran. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know the history well enough to say, actually, I don't think Beza was a Lutheran and I don't think Spurgeon was a Lutheran either, <laughs> but that will be a common objection oh, that, sure. that you will hear that's bogus, uh, that's lame. I don't know if we've ever said bogus on the pack. You know, we before. may not. That's, that's a good word. It's... We could use that more often. Bogus. <laughs> It's like Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or something in here. I don't know Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, but maybe, you don't? maybe I should. Wow. I You know, I've I've seen maybe the whole movie once, but it's one of those movies that was on all the time on the television. As a kid growing up, you see it. Did they say bogus? I don't know. Okay. But it makes me think they would. <laughs> they say most excellent. I mean... I, Okay. <laughs> they travel in a time booth back in or a time a phone booth back in time. I don't okay. know. Okay. It's it, who knows. Yeah. So I grew up racing BMX bikes and BMX culture and all this kind of stuff. And so we 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 really liked words like bogus, bogus man. Yeah, and rad, rad. Until the movie came out because we didn't think that movie was that rad. But oh. rad and bogus and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Anyhow, all right. So with, with that in mind, we you, you got to own it, and yeah. you're probably going to own it better if you get in an argument about it, uh, and. Those kinds of things. So right. there's that. Let's so have move convictions. On. A second guideline. Stoke uh, that fire, right, baby. Stoke that fire. And the second guideline would be uh, how do we disciple in law and gospel distinctions is through preaching, in preaching, in the in the service of worship. Yep, absolutely. And mo I would guess that most of our listeners are not preachers. They're not pastors. Right. But I would also guess that most, if not all of our listeners, listen to L preaching. They listen to the preaching. And so yeah. if you are a preacher... Uh, Obviously, this applies to you, but if you're not right. a preacher, you can pray for the preacher. Uh, you can demand preaching in a good, humble, godly, submissive <laughs> way. Yeah. Um, you, you can call for it. You can pray for it. We want preaching that reflects a law gospel paradigm that makes a distinction. Right. Yes, law is good. It should be preached, but it's what God requires. And yes, gospel should be preached. It's what God graciously provides. That's the kind of preaching we need to hear. Hmm. We, we need to hear preaching that reflects, that recognizes, that emphasizes the biblical reality of the law gospel distinction. It's going to be what's best for God's people. It's going to be what glorifies God because it's what he intended to begin with. We, we, we need it in our preaching. We right. desperately need it in our preaching. Yeah. And so I think we should maybe talk about some texts. When yeah, it I was going to say, maybe we could provide map. example for our listeners, whether they are preaching or whether there's someone listening to sermons. What are kinds of – how would this flesh itself out in a text maybe per say in a service? Yes, I like to use – since I typically preach through books of the Bible, um, and so what's the fancy word for that? Lectio continua. Lectio continua. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> if we think about Matthew's gospel account, I think it's a great place to go to kind of see it fleshed out and see it played out. Sure. 
And so if you are driving down the road, listening to the Pactum, or maybe you're on your John Deere riding mm. lawnmower Lower, or something yes. like that, on you probably shouldn't try to open your Bible. Don't do that now. That's right. But make a mental note of it, <laughs> or you could follow along if you're somewhere more domesticated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's more domesticated than a lot? Well, that's right? true. If you're sitting by the pool or something like that, mm, I, there you I suppose. Go. So with that said, how about Matthew chapter one? So right there built in, in the introduction, you know that there's going to be an emphasis on Jesus who's perfect, who perfectly obeys God's law, who perfectly models law keeping in mm. a sense, his, his life preaches law because he fulfills all the law. He fulfills all righteousness. And yet, so there's definitely law in there, but in Matthew one twenty one, it says, you shall call his name Jesus. And then it says, why? For he will save. That sounds pretty gospel-esque. He will save his people from their sins. And we even know based upon first John chapter three, verse four, sin is lawlessness. So Jesus right. is going to save you. He's going to rescue you from your law breaking. So we have law and gospel really built in Matthew one twenty one, and uh, th there we have it. Both are there, but I love it that it's at the beginning of the book sure. of Matthew's yeah. gospel account. So now when I read through the whole thing and there's all kinds of commands, which would be law, uh, not only that, Jesus models the law because he always does what's right. Mm -hmm. I can keep my head on straight. I can say, yeah, I'm supposed to follow Jesus, but I'm not very good at it because everything he does, right. he does perfectly. Yeah. And so I need him to not only show me the law so I can see my sin and misery. I need him to show me the fact that he's doing it for me. Hmm. He will save his people from their sins. Yeah. So to the objection that says you're superimposing this right. hermeneutic yeah, yeah, yeah. on the text, we actually are not superimposing it. We're meant to see it throughout the account because we're, we're given more than a clue in 121. Yeah, I say it's very clear there, and we're using Scripture to understand that by saying sin is lawlessness. Yep. We're not making these things up. It's no, right there in the no. text. And so what I did when I preached through Matthew's gospel account not that long ago, I was a broken record because I was <laughs> discipling people yes. through my preaching. Don't forget when we're in the weeds or we're yep. looking at the, we're staring at a tree, mm -hmm. remember the forest. Yeah. He came to save his people from their sins. Yeah, and I remember you doing that week in and week out. And that, but it was helpful, right? It, it, wasn't, it was a broken record in a sense because we heard it time and time again. But without hearing that, being reminded of it continually, we forget these things. And you lose that for us. Yep, yep. So then when we move on in Matthew, and let's, let's look at chapter 5, maybe chapter 4, chapter 3. We're going backward, I know, but that's kind of how we roll on the pack hey, you know, sometimes. A little smattering here, there. Yep. So Matthew 5.20, for I tell you, unless you're righteous righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Law or gospel? That'd be law. <laughs> that, you best get busy. <laughs> that would be capital L-A-W. That would, that would be big time law. Yeah. Unless your righteousness, which means obedience to the law. I, oh, that could be another thing. If we were oh. going to add a, an eighth, yes. we, can def, we need to learn how to define terms and decide. That, that is very true. People don't know what righteous is. Yeah. Uh, look it up and Whatever Greek dictionary you want, uh, and guess what's going to happen? It's obedience to law, adherence to law. Yes. So Jesus preaches law. When you read the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, it's so amazing to me that there are so many different views, and it's controversial. What's the point of the Sermon on the Mount? Mm. 
it's not that complicated. Yeah. Right. Jesus is preaching law so that you'll know that you can't accomplish it. You, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Right. Yeah. No. So, but, but the good thing is we don't have to try to make Matthew five twenty into some kind of gospel text because we already know one twenty one. he came to save his people from their unrighteousness, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. From their sins. So that works. We're discipling through our preaching. If we go to Matthew 4 and back up a little bit there, mm. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, he overcomes the temptation. He does the right thing. And so what we don't want to do is tell people in our preaching, therefore, therefore you must you... overcome temptation just like Jesus yes. did. What's wrong with that, Mike? Well, because now you're just trying to use Jesus as an example to follow, that you could do something that he did to try to earn acceptance and salvation, but it's that's not the case. It's Jesus did it for us. Yeah, as the last Adam. Yeah. As as to think that you you yourself are meant to do that. Right. No, no. We already know 121 helps us to interpret chapter 4, verses 1 and following. It's true, you should overcome temptation. Yes, but guess should. what? <laughs> he came to save his people from their sins. You're not always going to overcome temptation. He's, right. he's acting as a representative. Yes. And then maybe, maybe we should do one more in Matthew. Sure. And then we'll move on to some other examples. I know you're itching to get to the other ones. Are you, are you itching to do anything, Mike? I'm not itching to do anything okay. right now. It is kind of springtime, summertime where it's kind of itchy when you're outside yeah. on yeah. the John Deere riding lawn. <laughs> the John Deere riding lawn. All right. Talk about ADHD. So <laughs> last Matthew example. <laughs> okay. Matthew three fifteen, Jesus gets baptized. And so I've heard mm, yeah. I've heard sincere people and, and I, I like sincere people say, Well, I want to be baptized because you know Jesus was. Mm. Okay, sounds great, but these are apples and oranges. Yeah. So right. Matthew three fifteen is not talking about the baptism that we would be familiar with ourselves as Christians. Right. Because it says, but Jesus answered him, John the Baptist, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. Hmm. So things that make Mike Grimes hmm. Uh, go, hmm. hmm. Not Mike Greer, <laughs> but Mike my, my Grimes. So <laughs> Jesus is being baptized. He's insisting upon it because the people of Israel had been called to repent. Yes. It's a baptism of repentance yep. to be prepared because they're sinful. They're not ready for the Messiah to come They're to repent. It's a baptism of repentance. Um, did Jesus need to repent? No, <laughs> of course <laughs> no. not. And he didn't need to undergo a baptism for repentance or of repentance associated with repentance. He didn't need to do any of that, but he's obeying representatively. Yes. So I'm, I know this to be true. He, he's standing in our place. He's acting in our stead to yeah, use old yeah. language that, that if it, it, what he's doing is he's obeying, he's obeying God's commandment. So he's obeying God's law and he's doing so in order to be a savior. Right. Yeah. 121. So that's Jesus obeying what he didn't need to obey for himself, but he needed to obey for his people. That relates to the law gospel thing. Yeah. I'm keeping my head on straight. Yeah. How about uh, maybe one of our favorite passages we brought up, specifically in law and gospel discussions? How about Romans 2.13? Let's say you're preaching through Romans, uh-huh. or you're listening to a sermon series through Romans. What about Romans 2.13? The, the Romans 2.13 litmus, litmus test. Yeah. We need that on a shirt also, I think. I think so. Shirts, shirts, and more shirts. We need some more gear. Yeah. I guess we do. So it's not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, who are law keepers, is what that means, but the doers of the law who will be justified. 
And as we love to say, and we hope you know, as a Pactum listener, uh, we love to say that's a really short line, mm-hmm. right? Nobody stands in that line except for one, and that would be Jesus. Yep. That is not gospel. That is strict law, first use. It drives us to see our need for, drives us to Christ because we right. know we can't keep that. We know that's the right interpretation of the passage, regardless of what some commentators say, right? Yeah, um, because of where it goes into chapter three, none righteous, no, not one. Yeah, yeah. So that's not, that's meant to say, to show you your sin and your misery, and you simply can't do it to the point where Calvin says, if you can't figure this out, you should be laughed at even by small children. (laughs) We need a a soundbite for that. We we do. (laughs) Maybe Maybe we put that on the back of the shirt. That's true. That would that be was... helpful. That would be helpful. <laughs> oh, I, just for the sake of time, we're not going to maybe look at all of the ones we have before us. Sure, but they are legion. They are plenty. There are lots of options. Let's just yes. go for the. Let's go for the jugular. Mike. Okay, go for let's it. Let's go for the jugular. Let's do Micah six eight. Oh yeah. Could you maybe sing us? Can you riff riff off of that? You know, you know bit? who does have a song about Micah six eight <laughs> is the one and only Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> I didn't even know that. Oh yeah, there's some riffing going on in that song. Okay, uh, <laughs> check well, it out, people. We, <laughs> we love Micah six eight. We think it is true. We yes. think it is so true that's not even funny. But is it law or is it gospel? It does say in Micah six eight. He has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? I think I memorized it in a different translation. I did, I did too. So ESV was messing with my... Yes, that happens quite frequently, My I think. inner being. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so is Micah 6.8 true? It's true. It's absolutely true. It's good. Is it, it, it is good. It is righteous and holy. Yes. But is it gospel? No. Wah, 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 it's wah. law. It is not gospel. It is law. Law, law, law. And just post it on Twitter as has been done For by real. yours truly. Yeah. And people lose their ever loving Protestant they a, minds. They get a little bit feisty about that. <laughs> it just, it, it, it's, it's evidence that we need to be doing more discipling. Discipling. In law and gospel. Law and gospel. And in preaching the law and gospel distinction. Yep. Absolutely. And I, I love it. I love the provocative nature of it to help people. It's, yeah. it's true. And there's something called the first use and the third use of the law. So yep. we're not saying Micah 6, 8 is bad. We're not saying any of those things. Actually, we're saying it's good, but you do not do Micah 6, 8 perfectly, personally, or perpetually. None of the above. Right. So what you need is a perfect substitute. So then you can say, and now it is a light into my path. Right. I do want to do the right thing. Yes. I delight in your law. That's, and, and you know. Once you see it, you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. But there are too many gospel preachers out there. Yes. And we're not trying to hate on them. We're trying to help them. Yep. And you can help them also. That's right. So we've got having convictions about law and gospel distinctions. We have, you can be discipling through it in preaching. But for those who are not preaching, uh, maybe they're teaching. Maybe they're leading some classes or things like that, and they're teaching. Uh, so that's a third guideline or way that you can be discipling in law and gospel distinction is in teaching. Yep, so there's going to be overlap here. You might right. be a preacher, but sometimes you teach, but you also might not be a preacher, but right. you teach. As one person said, everyone should teach, even if they're not gifted to teach. Find someone who knows mm. less than you do there you go. and teach them something. Yeah. So maybe not many of you ought to be formal teachers, right. <laughs> but in reality, we're always trying to help other people in yes. the Great Commission 
protection actually does apply to everyone, not just the preacher. So let's think about this. So if you're going to teach a class, obviously a Sunday school class to little sure. children, oh, yeah. to adults, everybody. Um, so what do you want to do? You want to keep your ever loving Protestant mind yep. straight and turned on. And that will be distinguishing between law and gospel. Yes. So maybe a home Bible study, you're going to work your way through first John. Is it law or is it gospel? Make sure you keep your head straight. Make sure you keep the category straight. Um, whether it's a conference or a podcast, whether it's an episode on law and gospel, Pat and Mike are always going to think about law and gospel. Right, yeah. However, you're going to think about it. You're going to talk about it. You're going to want to highlight those things. Yep. In any way, shape, or form possible, um, we, w- we want to keep this straight. So when I, when I was speaking at this conference, and it was on law and gospel, yes, it, was, yeah. it could have been a conference on parenting. And guess what? Pat would have right. done. You would have brought in law and gospel, right? Somehow we would have done law and gospel because it actually actually relates to everything, relates to parenting as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So teach, 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 disciple, disciple, disciple. We even teach through things like stickers. Yeah, right. T-shirts. T-shirts. <laughs> law and gospel, right? Both are important, but when you blur law and gospel, you have gospel and it is damning. Yes. It is harmful. So any way we can possibly communicate and teach people, even if it's provocative, yeah, we, we yep. want to do that. Helpful ways for people to know and understand these things. Absolutely. Okay. A fourth uh, guideline, perhaps, as you're trying to disciple people in law and gospel is in emphasis, which we've already kind of alluded to here, but in the way you emphasize this law gospel distinction. Yep. I sat in, I think it was a seminar one time that D.A. Carson did. It was on biblical theology. I think it might've actually been at Omaha Bible Church. It was Mm. for leaders and pastors. I think that was a setting, maybe it was somewhere else, but I know I heard him say it, the Donald. The the Donald. (laughs) So he said something along the lines of this, that people will forget 90% of what you teach them. Mm. Yeah. To me, that's pretty depressing. That's, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, every week. (laughs) Right? So, they're going to forget 90% of what you teach them. And that's, that's kind of a downer. Yeah. Um, but he went on to say, but they will remember what you prioritize. Mm, They will remember what you are most passionate about. And I think that is a good insight. Hmm. Um, yeah, he's probably on to something. And so what are we going to have as our emphasis? Yeah, right. <laughs> we're going to have as our emphasis, our emphasis, things like law and gospel. And we're going to talk about it in different ways, shapes and forms. But if we emphasize it, people are going to say, you know what? I, I, that Pat Abendroth guy, that Mike Greer guy. <laughs> <laughs> We don't remember much, but man, it was always in one way or another, law is what God requires, gospel is what God provides. Yes. So, and I think we do see this in the Apostle Paul's ministry. Uh, for example, like in First Corinthians two two, where he he resolves to know nothing among Mm. you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Yeah. Um, First Corinthians fifteen, the gospels of first First importance. importance. So there's a priority there. So, uh, and you say, but yeah, but he doesn't say law; he says gospel. Well, you don't need the gospel, the good news about what Christ has done, if you're not a lawbreaker. Right, yeah. And so implicit, built in, even his resolution to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified, guess what? It's because he will make atonement for your lawbreaking. Yeah, yeah. So one assumes the other. Yes, right, exactly. So so. we want to be resolved, first importance, priority number one, uh, and, and be like a broken record on these kinds of things. Yeah. Good. Okay, a fifth guy. I want to go back to one. Oh. So, Mike, I didn't... 
since Mike told me that he just started a series of steroid injections <laughs> for a health <laughs> issue, uh, not only is his bench press going to be a lot Dude, better, it's going to be amazing. I'm noticing even after you know one day of being on steroids, Mike's a little aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't get out of hand. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't get out of hand because, uh, you know, who knows what, what lies beneath. You never know what yep. kind of rage monster might come out. It could happen. It could oh. happen. So before we get to number okay, five, all right, Mike, all right. Mr. Aggressive, <laughs> we'll call he's Arnold. Yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> okay. I will never get yeah, nope. Oh, so when it comes to emphasis, uh, I, I talk about this all the time, and I, when we're in our bookstore at Omaha Bible Church, and oh, I'm in sure, there, yeah. somebody says, I need a book on parenting, I give them a book on law and gospel. <laughs> <laughs> I need a book on marriage, I give them a book on law and gospel. Kind of yeah. like no-brainer when people are like, well, I'm looking for a book on, and our bookstore manager, Greg, member of the Pactum Verse, who yes. runs an awesome bookstore. He does. He can just, you know, n- not regardless of what they're asking about, yep. potty training... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pat probably wants you to have Christless Christianity yep. by Michael, Michael Horton because it's law and gospel. So yeah. uh, anyway. That's but, a great resource. Great book. You should read it. If you haven't, read it. If you have, read it again. It's true. It's amazing. It's, it's a pop, pop level version. Sure. It's okay, Mike. Now okay. that you've kind of calmed down, you've had your herbal tea All right. or something over there, <laughs> it's time to move on. Fifth guideline. We've got seven guidelines in helping you and encouraging you to be discipling others in law and gospel distinctions. Fifth one is in critiques. Maybe this is a good one for me and my rage. <laughs> I was thinking the That's exact same thing. That's why I was so thing. excited to get to it. I he want to be want, angry. This is, this, is, this is Mike the fighter. This is cage stage Dude, law gospel. I would be the first St- to climb the cage to get out of a cage match. Ro- I'm such roid a it up. <laughs> such a uh-huh. We're going to have to... Oh, man. So... Critiques. P- part of part of discipling people is helping them to have to come face to face with what's wrong. So if you hear the wrong thing, you hear the gospelizers who are out there, it'll help you. So we actually mm-hmm. want to have sparring partners. Yep. We actually want to say, all right, is this law our gospel? And for people to say, that's not right because they're they're preaching law as if it's gospel right, or gospel yeah. as if it's law. They're messing things up. Yeah, and it really helps people not just to be looking for things you're against, but it really even fortifies and kind of gives you a robust understanding of what you're for. Yep, so the classic low-lying fruit would be Roman Catholicism. Sure, yeah. So we love Roman Catholics who don't believe what their church teaches, Mm -hmm. Um, and we love even people who believe what their church teaches enough to tell them they're not teaching you what's right. Right. So it would be a justification by faithfulness kind of system. Right. Uh, And justification by faithfulness would be blurring law and gospel because the gospel is received by faith alone. Uh, It's nothing we do. And then we want to be faithful as a result, which is following God's commandments, Hmm. which would be law. Right. Uh, Yeah. So Roman Catholicism gets these uh, confused and blurred. So that's an easy one, I would say. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not so easy when we start talking about people who have been kind of infamous for blurring law and gospel. Um, Carl Bart would be an example of someone um, who most people have never heard of, but uh, scholars have and pastors have. And Carl Bart was no friend of covenant theology. He despised it and he ended up uh, blurring law and gospel. So it's kind of like salvation by faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And so he would be a good example. I 
It drives me crazy when people quote Carl Bart in a positive light. Yeah, yeah. He's not a friend. Yeah. I, I understand why the big name academics have to engage sure. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But there's that. Now, someone who studied under Carl Bart yeah, uh, would right. be Daniel Fuller. Uh, and so uh, that would be a, a kind of a clue. Uh, he wrote a book called Unity of the Bible. Uh, and he, I, I believe in the unity of the Bible, but he, he didn't like the distinctions. Yeah. And so he goes too far. He didn't like so many distinctions like in dispensationalism, but he goes too far and he makes, then all of a sudden everything's law and everything's gospel. Now yeah, it's gospel. It's gospel everywhere. And if you yeah. haven't heard of Daniel Fuller, uh, he was John Piper's mentor. Yeah. So it might give you some clue, some clues as to why sometimes there's a blurring there in the introduction to that book. Um, John Piper basically makes fun of the covenant of works. And so the covenant of works and the covenant of grace, uh, those kind of things actually complement law and gospel. Yes, right. Yep. So then if we go a little bit further, we could talk about Norman Shepard. Yep. And you may not have never heard of him, but he still has followers alive and well today. He's yep. no longer alive, but he was very influential at Westminster Seminary in Philadelphia. Yeah. And ended up teaching justification by faith and works ultimately because he didn't see a distinction. He didn't like the law gospel paradigm or right. hermeneutic. Right, right. How about some more, Mike? Um, how about, I mean, sometimes we think about those who are associated with theonomy. Oh, theonomy on the rise. People it's loving the rise, yeah. them some theonomy. You find plenty of that. It's true. And so people like Andrew Sandlin, Sa yeah, right. uh, he gets platformed and promoted. I've seen him platformed and promoted on places like the, uh, through people or organizations like the Ezra Institute yep. or Apologia. Yeah, they right. love them some Andrew Sandlin. Yep. Uh, he says things like this. There is no fundamental gospel law distinction. Ooh. Hmm. I wonder what he means. Hmm. <laughs> Could he be clearer? So <laughs> th that, that's problematic. He also says this, when Jesus himself was asked what the great commandment of the law was, he replied, it is to love the Lord, your God with all one's heart, soul, and mind in Matthew 22. And then he says, this is not fundamentally different from the message of the gospel. Ooh. And that offends me. He Ooh. then says the heart of the law is, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we say that doesn't mm. sound very Protestant. That is actually the wrong answer. Maybe one more Sandlin quotation in case somebody thinks we're taking him out of context or he's or we're not quoting clear statements. He says this. This means when you boil it right down that there is no fundamental distinction between gospel and law. That's pretty clear. So, yeah. So uh, that undermines sola fide uh, and that's problematic. Yeah. How about so, like uh, Federal Vision? Okay, we deny, and recording, we deny that law and gospel should be considered as hermeneutics or treated as such. That's from the Joint Federal Vision Statement, 2007. Doug Wilson uh, says this, uh, when we don't divide it up into law and gospel, when we don't say law over here, gospel over there, when we say it's all gospel, it's all law, it's all good. Uh, we would say that doesn't sound very Protestant, mm -mm. and uh, that is a good example of what you'd want to hear and say, that's not right. That's right. incorrect. Uh, that's error, and you're gonna, it's going to lead to other errors. Sure, yeah. So there are other people who object, would object to it um, that would be good sparring partners. Uh, you know, when someone says, well, that's Lutheran, you should know enough history to say, actually, it's not. It's right. Protestant. But right. You're, you're going to hear that objection. You might hear objections also from people that we might label biblicists. Mm-hmm. And uh, what we mean by what we mean by that here is not just they adhere to the Bible as true, but a biblicist. What we mean by that now is when people say, "Well, I, I looked up law gospel uh, in 
you know, a concordance. I did a word search <laughs> and I didn't find the phrase or I didn't sure. sign, I didn't find it when I was looking at the Bible. So therefore it's bogus. Therefore it's superimposed. And we would say the concepts there, the idea is there. Jesus says to gain eternal life, you have to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Do this and live. Well, that that's what, that's what the law requires. Mm-hmm. And that's not gospel. Right. He yeah. came to save his people from their sins, um, not enable them to do it so they can gain eternal life themselves. So it's true. You're not going to find it in a word search, but it doesn't mean the concepts or the realities aren't there. Hmm. Yeah. A certain kind of biblicist sometimes would be certain dispensationalists. Sure. Yeah. Right. Not all dispensationalists. Thank you. Uh, but some dispensationalists and many actually throughout the history of dispensationalism, I think have done this hmm. uh, because it's kind of, it's kind of built in when you say there's a dispensation of law and there's a dispensation of grace, right? There's a good possibility you're going to be confused yeah. because you think, Oh, so since the dispensation of law is over now it's dispensation of grace, we don't have any need for law anymore. Yeah. Don't be that kind of dispensationalist. If you are one, right. Yeah. We have plenty of dispensationalists who listen. Um, sometimes we like to poke the bear, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but we, we just want to get you thinking. So if you're going to be a dispensationalist, don't be that kind of dispensationalist right. uh, or uh, that kind of biblicist. Uh, and it can come from texts like Romans six in Romans chapter six, verse, verse 14, you are not under law, but under grace. Mm. And then he says it again in verse 15, not under law, but under grace. So sometimes a biblicist is going to say, and dispensationalists sometimes have said, lumping those two together for our sake for right now, see no more law. It's all grace. Yeah. No more law. It's all gospel. Right. The problem is um, in context, if you keep reading, he goes on to use all kinds of legal statements. Sure. Um, and so he, it's like, he's saying this, we're not under law, uh, we're under grace and now we're under law. Yeah. Yep. Right. That's what he's doing. Yes. Because his point is we're not under law for justification. Yes. Right. That's read Romans one to five. So we're not under law for justification, but we are under law, uh, now as those who are united to Christ by faith, right? We have a, a perfect mediator, but we're still under law because we're supposed to obey. We're supposed to be, he says in verse 18, slaves of righteousness, right? Yeah. Ah, slaves slaves of of law law keeping law adherence. And so he uses all kinds of obedience terminology, righteousness terminology, which is all law kind of terminology. So we're not under law for justification because we're in Christ by faith for justification. But now we're under law, third use, we would say, uh, to to guide us and to lead us. So Mike, you're, you're pretty calm there. Yeah. It, it, was it because I rebuked you? I no, I'm it. just trying to – I'm trying to mellow out over here, trying to take some moments to just re- recollect myself. I can see your mood ring from over here, and it looks like you're in a pretty pretty good mood. <laughs> <laughs> it's changing colors all throughout the episode. Okay, good. <laughs> I should probably start wearing one. <laughs> can you still buy mood rings? Oh, I'm sure you can. Okay. I, I'm sure when, there's when all a, sorts of mood When things. I was a little kid, I think my sister had a mood ring, and I always wanted to wear it, but it – was kind of femi, so yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> they probably have bracelets, necklaces, the whole works now. Okay, you know that way we can be warned. <laughs> well, shall we keep moving? I don't want to press you. Oh, oh, see, good job <laughs> for being sensitive. This is good. 
All right, we'll keep moving on in our seven guidelines in discipling others in law and gospel distinction. This one is in recommendations. So what kind of things are you recommending to people? We've kind of already established that we recommend things about law and gospel, even if they're looking for tips about other things. Right. One excellent resource, and it's going to be more readily available soon, would be a book called A Treatise on the Law and the Gospel. Hmm. So don't rush out and buy it quite yet. A Treatise on the Law and the Gospel by John Cahoon, Mm -hmm. spelled C-O-L-Q-U-H-O-U-N. Yes. But I think it's pronounced something like Cahoon. Yeah, something like that. So here's a couple great quotes. Here's why you're going to want the book, but don't buy it yet. Don't buy it yet. Just Just stay off Amazon just for a couple minutes. We're going to tell you about a super special Gnostic Gnostic. epigenosis secret. I like those. How about you want to read the quotations from who? Yeah, sure. How about this? Uh, this is, again, uh, from a Treatise on Law and the Gospel. To know the difference so as to be able to distinguish a right between the law and the gospel is of the utmost importance. And he's, fa- not, he's not even a Lutheran. Right. Yeah, he's not. <laughs> utmost importance to the faith, holiness, and comfort of every true Christian. That's pretty important, right? Another quote here. If he cannot distinguish the gospel from the law, he will easily be induced to connect his own works with the righteousness of Jesus Christ in the affair of his justification. I love, love, love. Five-star quotation. I love that quote. fantastic. super good. So I did hear a little insider scoop, insider trading, I guess maybe we should call it. Yeah. Uh That Reformation Heritage Books is updating um, and offering some, I think maybe the original one, at least the one I have, uh, is missing some things. So they're updating it, new introduction, and they're planning, because of a gracious donor, they're planning to give away 50,000 paperback copies. Whoa! So, for free. 50,000? Yep. So, I don't know the status on that, when it's happening. We're recording this in the spring of 2023. Yes. Uh, It's not out yet from what I know, but it's coming your way, people, which is pretty cool. 50,000. Free copies. Yep, can't wait for that. So we'll, we'll we'll try to get it out the best we can when it's available. Yeah, so that's one we would recommend, and you should be recommending. Treat us on the Law and Gospel, John yep. Calhoun. Yep. Uh, maybe a couple of other things. I think over at Heidel Blog, uh, there was a series of articles yes. that my brother Mike Abendroth of No Compromise Radio did, uh, and those are super helpful. Yes, uh, very I, good. It, the, the series of articles are... It, I can't talk. The series of articles... Um, is or are? Are? Plural. <laughs> Plural. Plural, are. The articles, the series of articles are called My Pilgrimage from Lordship to Law Gospel. Mm. So that fits right with that Cahoon quotation, as a matter of fact. So you're yes. not confusing your own works with the righteousness of Christ. My brother Mike also, uh, through American Gospel, did a series of videos yes. on yep. law and gospel, and they're outstanding. They're fantastic. Uh, well produced. So hats off, props to American Gospel. Uh, and somehow getting that out as well. So check those resources out. There are right. other things, but that's what we'll recommend yeah. for now. And we'll make sure to put links to all of those resources in the show notes. In the snow notes. We won't... I, you know, uh, we can't reference exactly the 50,000 free copies. True. But we'll make sure you know where to find that book if you're looking in, impatient because you have Roid Rage. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I've seen the proof. I know it's happening. Okay. Let's wrap it up with the seventh and final guideline for discipling in law and dis- gospel distinctions, and that is in prayer. So we want to be praying for this. And how about this? I think people must have been praying. Hmm. I think people have been praying yeah, yeah. because we're seeing so many people get on 
the bandwagon, if you will. We're seeing so many people understand the issues and it's trending. It's good, right? We don't want it to sure. be a fad like we started with, but there are so many people who are understanding that didn't understand before. Yeah. And so it's really exciting. I, I take it, praise be to God, uh, men and women, saints have been praying, God, help us, help us to grow, help us to understand, help us to be discerning. So I take it, people have been praying. That's why we're seeing fruit. And that motivates me, hmm. yeah. motivates me to want to pray. Yeah. Uh, God, help people to see this. Help people who used to be saying, oh, it's an artificial paradigm. It's imposed upon the text. It's only for Lutherans, blah, 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 blah. Help people to see it for themselves in the text of Scripture, to learn from Christian history, and to therefore be a more faithful Christian, yeah. to, to have assurance like we should be able to have sure. assurance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so let's pray, but let's also praise God in our praying because it really seems as if things are moving in the right direction. Yeah. For sure. Well, thanks for being a part of the Pactum Verse. We're thankful for all of you. We're thankful for you listening. You can find us online. The Pactum, five stars. Five stars. Thepactum.org. Go and get signed up for our conference coming up in October, October 6th through the 7th, 2023. All things new here in Omaha, Nebraska. We'd love to see you there. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can email us, connect at thepactum.org. We'll see you next time on The Pactum. The Pactum.